The Seven Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire, learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things, victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seven Rock Life Show. You guys are in store for an amazing episode with Grayson Boucher, the professor. He's done so many great things with the mixtape tour and basketball and for the community, such a true inspiration. And you're gonna hear a lot of things that we go through with faith and overcoming and just being persistent with your dreams and making sure that you have that desire inside of you. So take notes on this, such an honor to have him on the show, truly a humble, humble person and just so powerful with the things he's doing uh, and defining the odds and in the game of basketball and he can move on the court like crazy. So you guys definitely have to check him out. We attached all the different links below. Uh, Also, quick news and exciting news. A lot of people have been asking when the tickets are for sale for Living to Inspire Festival Miami. We are at the Fillmore Theater, the iconic Fillmore Theater. We'll have over 2,000 plus people there. It will be a sold out event with special surprises, celebrities, and different lineups that we have. It'll be a one day festival with things that we do the day before and after. So make sure you get your ticket on February 25th at 7 a.m. Tickets go live. Go to livingtoinspire.com. Get your ticket, reserve it, share it, and it is going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing weekend. And that's going to be May 9th for Living to Inspire Miami, our second festival, and people are jacked up. So enjoy the show, guys. Get your tickets for the festival. We love you. Thank you for the support, and we hope this episode and this podcast with Grayson inspires you. Hey guys, welcome to the Seven Rock Life podcast show. I am here with an awesome guest and, and good, great friend, uh, Grayson Boucher. Is that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> My man. You to say it correctly. <laughs> Boucher, awesome man. And uh, you know, it, it's so cool because um, growing up, I, I was just telling um, the professor and Grayson, I was uh, blessed to be able to see him growing up, and I would try to do a lot of his moves. And unfortunately, those moves never translated into a basketball career for me because <laughs> they're extremely tough. And a uh, little background on, on Grayson, you know, he's, he's got uh, over 3 million followers on Instagram, got millions of views on, on YouTube, uh, was part of N1 team, which I originally actually, that's how I, you know, uh, connected and saw you, I think a lot of people. And uh, we got to connect in California. Uh, he's, he's got a great faith, amazing heart and spirit, and he really inspires the youth. So uh, it's so awesome, and you know, you really don't need an intro because the people know the professor, and I'm excited to know how you got that name, and just your story uh, of how you got started, man. So I hope you're excited. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Now, my pleasure. So, so yeah, let's get into it. Um, I would love to know just how did you get the name the professor? Like how how did that start, and and then kind of your walk me through your basketball career and starting it. So the the name professor came from. Uh, legendary streetball MC. His name is Duke Tango. And for anybody that remembers the Anwa Mixtape Tour, he was the announcer, you know, the, the MC uh, that was on the court 
uh, doing the play-by-play all along with us. So, like, he's got the most charismatic personality you could possibly imagine, but he's the dude that was always saying, oh, baby, like, after plays and stuff. So a lot of people kind of, like, remember that when they think of M1. But um, he gave me the name. He said that I was schooling people on the court, and uh, I think that he thought that I kind of, like, resembled a professor look. Uh, I think it had to do with, like, my hair and, and the way I looked initially. And so I got the name pretty quick in 2003. So that was and, in 2003. Yeah. But uh, as far as, you know, like the landscape of my career, I uh, started playing basketball when I was two years old. Wow. Dad put the basketball in my hands. His passion for the game wore off onto me. You know, uh, played all through school. By about fifth grade, I knew I wanted to play for a living. And I had a dribbling trainer, which was like way ahead of its time. Now all these people have skills trainers, but I had this, this trainer who taught me really all skills, but really with the emphasis in ball handling. And one of the first moves he taught me was Allen Iverson crossover. So I mastered that. I was able to cross over like grown men as a little kid. And people kind of like labeled me as, you know, the white kid with the, with the handles, you know, all, right away, really young. And um, so, yeah, I played ball. I was on like elite AAU team and stuff growing up, but I was always really small. By the time I got to high school, things started to catch up uh, you know, with me because I was – just wasn't growing, you know, so small. So, like, as a junior, I got held back on the junior varsity team, which, like, sucks, you know what I mean? You always want to be on that varsity team when you're a junior, at least. And that was in Oregon, where you grew up? Yeah, and that was Oregon. So I got cut from the varsity team junior year, held back on the JV team. Senior year, I transferred to a Christian school just for more opportunity for basketball and uh, got, like, second team All-State. I was one vote away from MVP, and this is, like, the only high, you know, great year I had in high school. Um, but then again, you know, my school was small, so, like, no colleges were looking my way. So I got no offers. I uh, got cut from three junior colleges, and then I finally walked on as a red shirt uh, to the local community college my hometown. The only reason I got a spot on that team was because my dad, who owns a jewelry store, sold the head coach some jewelry, and he persuaded him to give me a look. So the guy was nice enough to let me red shirt. And then uh, a couple guys got injured. I ended up playing that year, but I played three minutes a game. So the game was close. I didn't even get in. And then next thing you know, that next year, uh, and one was going on tour, and they're having tryouts for all of their games. And so I just go as a fan. Next thing I know, there's a tryout. You know, the rest of it's history. But that's wow. kind of how – that's what that's the series of events that led up to the Animal Mixtape Tour. Well, it's interesting. Right away at – what age were you there? Uh, 18. 18 you were going through your you know your trials of like things getting blocked and no opportunity and then boom that breakthrough yeah it was interesting you know the whole the whole principle of um, preparation when preparation meets opportunity success can be had yep and I, th- I think there's a lot of truth to that right it's not like a cookie cutter it doesn't just work automatically but I think that uh if you put in an incredible amount of preparation towards something the chances are when you do get the opportunity you can it can work in your favor so I know that's what happened to me. After my freshman year in college, I got better. I got 300% better. Finally hit the weights, working out with these guys who were going D1 and D2. And um, really, it was a, a lot of it was just about confidence, you know? Because when I first went to that junior college, I pictured myself as the worst player on the team. And therefore, I kind of like was the worst player on the team, even though I had crazy skills. But defensively, I, it was hard for me to match up and then just think emotionally, mentally, I was very immature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What was um for you when you look at because basketball has a tremendous culture, you know, and especially like 
we'll get into it obviously a little bit later with what Kobe did for the game and, and really the, um, you know, what he was able to create and what he left behind, you know, and uh, it's unfortunate, but he's, he's, it's kind of interesting when, when you lose something in life, you start to realize all the things that were gained from it, whether it's a person, whether it's an opportunity, you know, and, but I really want to figure out the culture. Why does basketball and I'm a baseball guy, right? I played, you know, college and pro and, uh, but basketball has this culture of, of grind, of getting out, you know, of, of situations or getting out of maybe your, your living situation away. It's like, it's that breakthrough, right? So walk us through kind of, the culture of basketball and the breakthroughs that it kind of creates for, for opportunity for people, whether it's in college or the pros or for you. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think, I think what you're, what you're speaking of is a lot of times it is, it is uh, something that takes somebody out of a rougher situation and elevates them or whatever. But I think that's also because basketball is so cheap to play, right? All you, sometimes all you really need is a basketball. You know, you need the hoop half the time, you know what I mean? So you can practice and you can get better without a basketball hoop. But a lot of times in the urban areas, there are basketball hoops, and those are some of the, the, the poorest areas of the world. It just so happens some of the greatest talent comes out of there a lot of times with basketball. So I think it's bigger in the urban culture, right, to, to go, you know, from, from rags to riches and basketball being that, that uh, vehicle that takes you there. So <clears throat> I, th- I think the reason that that's part of the culture is just because basketball is so accessible, it's even accessible for – places of poverty. And so for me, I, I didn't come from poverty. I, my parents were lower middle class when I was born and they were upper middle class by the time I was, I moved out of the house. So I didn't come from poverty, but it definitely created a career opportunity for me. It's been great. You know what I mean? And then sort of like rose to fame, if you will. But, um, yeah, I think I think that's why it's a big part of the culture, just because it's so accessible. It's like soccer, right? Soccer is the biggest sport in the world, like by far, you know, by a mile. <laughs> so crazy, yeah. Why though? But I think it's the easiest play. It's even easier to play than basketball because all you need is a soccer ball. You don't even need a soccer ball. Whatever ball you got laying around the house, that's your soccer ball. <laughs> so true. And everything is a goal, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not even cones. That's too much equipment. Set up this rock over here and this piece of wood over here, and that's the goal. You know, so, it's funny, I was in Africa. It's funny you say that. I was in Africa last August. We were building a school out there, and we were building the soccer field. It's dirt, and we had twigs as the post to create there, yeah. No shoes, just a soccer ball. Oh. Actually, I'm sorry. It was a volleyball. <laughs> well, you need- yeah. So, yeah I, think, I think basketball is, like, the second place. Mm-hmm. It's right behind soccer with that, right? It's so accessible, so easy to play so popular among the masses. And I think also another part that people, that's, uh, in regards to what you're saying is overlooked is that people in places of uh, prosperity, you know, like non-poverty, I should say, right? You've got so many options of sport, right? You go play baseball, you play football. You don't even have the time to dedicate to basketball or like one sport, right? Like in the hood, people are dedicating all their time to basketball, you know what I'm saying? Or it's like all their time to hip hop or all their time, you know what I mean? So I think that the dedication level is different too amongst the poverty because it's almost like they only have a few choices of what to do. Whereas like, if you live here in Santa Clarita, I'm looking at my backyard, I barely see the back, you know what I'm saying? Like if a kid grew up here, he'd have so many options to do all these things. So 
if you want to be a pro player, you really got to focus it on one. You know that. Being a pro yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like what's, whatever's in your fridge is what you got to eat. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I think, so I think it, it favors uh, making it, so to speak, favors poverty sometimes because they're so focused on one sport. Mm -hmm. Going on tour for you, uh, Grayson, what, um, what did you learn going on tour with N1 and that experience? You were 18 years old at the time? Yeah. Um, it basically molded me in every way. I learned to public speak, which I've never did before. I remember I gave a speech in college. I couldn't stop shaking my hand. You know what I mean? Reading in front of a classroom of 30. Couldn't even stop shaking my hands. It was crazy. And I gave the worst speech of all time. Um, so it forced me to learn public speak. Uh, I got media training. Um, introduced to a whole bunch of different cultures around the world. Alan was actually in 40 countries. We went to all 40. Wow. Uh, or crazy. A good portion of those 40. Um, what else did it do? I got to meet a lot of uh, celebrities, make, met my favorite basketball players, played with some NBA players. Um, I, what did I learn, though? I, I learned – gosh, I, I learned a lot, man. A lot about life, just different perspective in general, you know? Yeah, if you had to pick out maybe, say, two or three things that you took away from people you met or situations that – you know, or, or going to different countries, because when you travel, it, it exposes you and opens up your eyes. Yeah, so world perspective. I would say glo global perspective. That mm -hmm. was one thing Which, I could take away from I got to do a shout out. Your uh, clothing brand is yeah. Global Hoovers, right? Global Hooper, which is a direct play off my global travels and experience, for sure. Love it. And I want to get into that after this. But global perspective, uh, number one, um, these aren't in order, but another thing was to cherish things and be grateful, you know, while they last because nothing lasts forever. And I'd say that in two regards. Number one, and one, the company, we thought it was gonna be around forever, right? We thought that was the next Globetrotters, never gonna go away. Well, went away six, seven years later because uh, they had a major buyout and that was over. And then I would also say even just like, kind of like the theme of what everybody's been talking about lately with, with Kobe passing away, it's like cherish the people while they're he still here because my best friend, Escalade, died in 2011 mm. and so you know we went through that whole and one run start to finish together and uh yeah so there's a few things that stand out in my mind that's awesome for for you um people that influenced you and people like some top guys that really you're admired that uh that pushed you you know that you met whether they were pros or coaches who mm. are some of those people um well my dad was always somebody who pushed me probably most. Um, Why? But, you know, along the way, I think all my original and one teammates pushed me to be better, um, not even verbally, just like setting the bar high skill-wise and like how talented they were and then how they would always kill it and crush it no matter where we were at on earth. You know what I mean? We could be in Brazil and play in front of 20,000. These dudes – kill it you know what i mean playing with a bunch of heart they they made me elevate how much heart i played with night in and night out because it's one thing to be good in like your your own hood or like your local town or like with your friends or even in a high school game or a college game but like we do it at a pro level and there's like you know thousands of people watching and like they expect you to not only be good but also put on shows like definitely a certain amount of pressure that comes with that and <laughs> I wasn't ready to kind of like face that night in and night out. Like I could do it sometimes when I first got on there, but my teammates really pushed me to excel for sure. Mm -hmm. 
were there were there any hard times that you kind of like because you know when you're traveling or you're on the go you're just kind of like figuring out hey is this what i want to do or you know do, do i want to do other things was there any kind of like times where you kind of hit rock bottom and you're just like hey well, where do i want to go now what do i want to do uh absolutely i mean after n1 you know um and one ends 2008 is major buyout. It's like late 2008, 2009. I go broke. Um, for eight months, I actually lived off selling my own jerseys off eBay. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, so I sold my own jerseys wow. off eBay. Uh, they were going for between two to $700, depending on which Jersey. And I sold them firsthand anonymously lived off that. And then started doing like one-off games for the next few years like mainly overseas. It was like these one-off global games. That's kind of what inspired the main global hooper, but. You had to reinvent um, yourself. Exactly. But then 2011 escalated my closest friend dies. And so, yeah, that was the most rock bottom I've ever been. I actually had just got back from Africa where I got malaria too for two weeks and thought I was going to die there. So yeah, crazy series of events, but definitely face some rock bottom moments. No doubt. Mm -hmm. What, what would be your biggest advice, you know, because in today's world, I mean, life has amazing beauty, right? And then life has its, uh, its trials and tribulations, right? So yeah. for you, I know faith is a big thing for you yeah. um, and uh, having that relationship. And, you know, that's what Seven Rock Life is, is just being balanced in your life, right? Mm -hmm. And for you, uh, what advice could you give that the things that you did, you know, anytime that you are like in a funk? And with what you went through and what maybe you go through, you know, uh, at any time that could help people that are listening to this, that are out there that are doing great or struggling and trying to have some breakthroughs in their life. Totally. I mean, at that moment of rock bottomness, that's when I actually came to know God, you know what I mean? Like I accepted yeah. Christ as Lord and Savior in that rock bottom moment, actually at Escalade's funeral. Mark Jackson is Escalade's brother who does the, the halftime, you know, t or excuse me, who does the uh, NBA analyst work, you know, uh, 12, 15 year NBA vet, something like that. But he was given the eulogy and that's when I actually came to know God. And like you said, <clears throat> your organization speaks of like balance and stuff. Well, I had no life balance, you know what I mean? So God put everything into balance for me and that was that basically was the 180 shift of my life you know what i mean that, that was a 180 shift i was living a certain way came to christ and then turned a corner lived another way which means basically like i'm not no longer living for myself i was living for god and then nowadays you know i still get into a funk sometimes whether it's stress or tragedy or whatever i really just focus on my prayer life and then trying to get more spiritually focused which what comes along with that is like studying the word and then being around you know community of other believers. I think those are things that help me to, I mean, just like immediate logistical things that can help me to feel better or uh, be more balanced. Yeah. And isn't it interesting when you look back and you're like, man, not having that in your life, how did I even operate? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. I wouldn't have operated. I don't know what would have happened, you know, at some point because <laughs> I was tied up in all different types of things that weren't healthy. So yeah. 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 And, I, and it's, I think it's going on that walk, but when you have those moments that trigger you, you realize that like there's a void that's filled when you, you know, you go down that route and figure out your spiritual rock, you know, uh, figuring out Christ or God, like, you know, but, but doing it organically the way um, that interprets to you. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like you just said community is everything. And I'm sure for you, 
your community with basketball, community with uh, entrepreneurs that you're around because, you know, you're a hustler and I, I admire you from afar. I'm just like, man, like you're on the go, you're moving, you know, and even through when you're injured, you don't even, you know, you just, you figure out a way. And I think that's like that playing injured in life is such a big thing. And basketball and sports, yeah. you have to do that. Maybe like, could you touch on that? Like, cause I know I, I haven't always been the best and with playing injured in life. Right. And then, but when you learn how to play injured, that's when your best blessings come, mm. you know, maybe walk us through just uh, in sports and in life. Have you played injured in life and, and how, how do you get around that with whatever career you're in? Yeah, that's good, man. I feel like that's a book right there, right? <laughs> playing injured in life. But um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Well, like you said, being injured logistically and having to cope, there's a lot of parallels, right? Like you could be hurt in life, but you still got to cope. You know what I mean? Or you could be wounded from some past experience or financial issues, a breakup. Some of these things can have us like <clears throat> injured, so to speak, and they go through. But yeah, I mean, for me, that's, that's all about being spiritually healthy, you know? And sometimes that doesn't always look like I'm feeling like a thousand dollars. That, that just means like, at least I'm anchored in God. Sometimes it's a lot of like humility, you know what I mean? Because sometimes if you're hurt, you might feel like you're owed something or feel like somebody owes you an apology or why did I get this money taken? I didn't deserve that. You know, taxes came and <laughs> take money out of your or whatever. You know what I mean? And so sometimes I think humility is a big part. You know, I think. Um, why do you think humility, touch on that, why? Because one thing I admire yeah. about you, you're really humble. Like you could be strong, you could do what you got to do. You could be in a Santa outfit and crush, crush it, uh, <laughs> which you got to check his Instagram out. We'll tag it below. But I was checking out the other day. I was like, let me, let me see his, uh, some videos. And the Santa Claus video is by far one of my favorites. Uh, if you're listening to this, you have to go after this podcast to go view it, comment on that, and uh, check it out. But humility, you know, I think humility with strength and I think Kobe was that way and that's why people admired him he was humble but extremely strong when he needed to be so maybe talk about that balance because some of the best players in the game right and I don't watch and I don't know basketball as much as say you but like you look at some of the best players Michael or you know Kobe and and, and there's a lot of different guys and uh, LeBron humbleness and strength yeah I think that uh, I the reason I mentioned humility to begin with is because to even go to God for provision that it, that takes humility, right. To begin with. And then also, uh, I think a lot of times when you're hurt, things that go through your head are like, why me? Or I didn't deserve this or whatever. But I think the humility aspect would just accept that it happened and then ask for God's guidance, you know, through it. So I think that just takes a layer of humility for sure to even get to that place, right? Like you're not owed anything. You didn't deserve every, you know, it doesn't work like that. We're not in control of anything. You know what I mean? So um, just kind of accepting your situations, humility. And then, yeah, I think you, you mentioned Kobe. I think, I think he was humble, like, especially like later in his life. Right. Cause I mean, you, you could have made the argument that he wasn't during his playing career Yeah. and interviews and different things, but seemed like he had reached a good place of humility where it was all about his family and, really in his daughter's life. I mean, coaching their AAU teams, that's crazy, right? Who, 
what Hall of Famer has ever coached their AAU daughters team. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. So I think there was definitely humility there. Even MJ, you know, they, they asked MJ, like, are you the GOAT? And he would always be like, nah, you know, it's too hard to come to that conclusion. We never – you know, he, he doesn't say, yes, I'm the GOAT. You know what I mean? Even though he might think so if they, if they were going to lace him up, right? But um, I think, I think you're, you're your strongest when you are humble, though. I, I feel like it's a weak – it's actually a weaker position to be all prideful and stick to your guns where, you know, you're thinking – X, Y, or Z that's not healthy for you, you know? So I think, I think you're actually the strongest when you're anchored to God and actually fully humble. I found that in my, in my life, not even, not even strongest just from a perspective, like that's my opinion, you're strongest because it feels good. But like, no, literally, like I think there was most power in my life when I was actually the most humble and just like really content with where I was at. Then I felt like great things, like you said, those breakthroughs really happened. You know what I mean? Even, even when I'm playing basketball, I'm at my best when I'm having fun. I'm really making it about other people and uh, yeah. And, and, and not expecting uh, anything, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, just having fun. I'm just in the moment. That's, that's when the great things happen. I think. Yeah. You go out on the court to give value uh, and you give that value, you give that show and you give that experience. And I think that comes across organically. And I think if you go about life that way, whether it's sports or meeting somebody, it's like, how can I serve you? How can I give that value? And that humbleness comes out. Yeah, and I think the main part is I think that's what God honors. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, even if somebody's not a believer of Christ, God's going to dictate what's going on. You know what I mean? And maybe dictate's not the good word, but I think when you're, when you're most humble is when he can, he can push you to new heights because you can, uh, you're able to handle it. You know what I mean? In a, in a, in a wiser manner. Yeah. And you said something, this is really good stuff. I love, I love what you're all about, Grayson. And, uh, you know, I know we're definitely going to have, you know, a relationship and friendship for, you know, for a long time. And one thing that's cool that you said is about anchoring, right? And I want to kind of dive into that because whoever's listened to this, because the goal of these podcasts is to hear your story, you know, which we'll get into even more, but give value to the listener of how this can be relating to their life, right? How can they implement whatever they listen to for 30, 45 minutes. Cause I know audios watching things have helped me that day. You know, it's like, Oh, let me take this. Let me take that. But anchoring, right. That's such a good thing. Being anchored in life, obviously with your spiritual life and God, but like knowing what your anchors are, are there any things that are like your anchors in life, whether it's like being on the court, going for a hike, you know, uh, that alone time, like, is there any specific things that anchor you? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, spending time in prayer in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you say logistically, yeah, going on walks, I go on walks all the time or, uh, even, yeah, even like sitting in my jacuzzi, you know, sometimes at night, just kind of like reflect and think. You have a hot tub too? What do you say? You have a hot tub, a jacuzzi? Oh yeah, absolutely. The best, one of the best things ever invented. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I agree, man. Can you explain to the people listening to this? Let's see if we get hot tub and jacuzzi sales higher. Um, <laughs> they're gonna be like, "How come December, uh, February twentieth, the jacuzzi sales went up?" <laughs> it's because of the podcast that came out. Talk, that spike is coming. Explain, no, explain to the audience why jacuzzis and hot tubs are amazing. I think it's amazing because at the end of the day, you know, like 
it's easy. Like for me, it's easy to get so dang busy and try to execute so many things in one day. You make your head want to spin, right? So a lot of times I just want to relax, but I don't think there's a better way to do it than getting in the jacuzzi and really just being like, ah, you know what I mean? But I think in those times too, for some reason, I come up with some great ass ideas. Like, <laughs> like right. I come up with some great ideas or like I just get a chance to like really reflect on things. And, um, you know, sometimes that could even be prayer or mental, you know, maybe it's meditation to a certain extent, right? But in the Christianity. Uh, yeah. Content. But yeah, I, it's a great time to reflect, you know, it really is. I call it an idea machine. <laughs> it is though, man. I mean, <laughs> to it, man. There's something to it. I swear. Yeah, that in my brother got me into skiing and and uh, and going to the mountains and like I think when you can't think of anything else, like that's when your brain actually starts to work. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, because it's like sometimes I'll try to intentionally have a brainstorming session and it's just blank. But when you're eating or doing something else or not worried about anything, then like some some genius ideas can come your way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, walk us through just, um, kind of some of your like businesses and, and brands, you know, you got your clothing brand, uh, walk us through, you know, how, how, what's, what is it all about? And, uh, you know, your YouTube and, and your, your IG and all the different things that you're, you know, cause those are your it's kind of it's your businesses. Right. And, um, so walk us through those and how they came and where they're going. hundred percent. Uh, global Hooper <clears throat> founded 2017. Uh, so we're fairly new. But it really was this extension of my brand. Um, the Global Hooper, the, the, state, the brand statement is really all about um, the underdog and, and, and the, the journey of the underdog, right? Like for me, I start off as an underdog and then now I'm able to be known um, worldwide, but be able to empire, inspire and impact people, you know what I mean, in all those places. So it's, it's, about, the, it's about the underdog, like that, that's who I am, but then it's also about unity uh, of people through basketball. So, you know, I got to play in over 40 countries now and Amazing. it's been so cool because like, I feel like the live, I call my people the live fam. Professor Live is my YouTube channel. I call them the live fam. But I feel like the live fam is like, it's like, there's, there's like, we're like a click of, of kind of like like-minded folks. And so when I say global hooper, it's like bringing those people together into sort of a community as well. So it's, a, it's about unity. It's about uh, the journey as an underdog because I was an underdog most of my career. And um, yeah, it's just something that we can all take part in together. I, I like that, of, of being that, that underdog because I think a lot of people feel that way. Everybody's an underdog no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, you know, that's, you have to understand like it's, it's you want to be that underdog because if, if you just want it, it's like there's no winning if there wasn't no underdogs in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's hard, too, because, like, you actually can't not be an underdog because there's always going to be somebody hating on you or sleeping on you or wanting you to fail, no matter who you are, right? I bet LeBron James feels like an underdog a lot of times because it, now it, the theme of his career is, can he still be good again this year? You know what I mean? It's like, is he still the best? Like, are these young dudes better than him? Is he getting old? You know what I mean? There's always like obstacles to overcome no matter who you are. So maybe he doesn't fit the, the, the cookie cutter underdog like you want, but everybody has odds to overcome. And then you got the kids who are being slept on, who can't play college ball, or you got people just in life who are underdogs, right? And their business, they're not getting the, 
the hand that they feel like they deserve and they've, you know, got you know, obstacles to overcome. It could be in anything, not, not just basketball, but I think everybody can relate to the underdog. Yeah, and I think um, that's so interesting about, like, with, with the underdog mentality mm-hmm. where it, I think it, it puts fire into you. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, yeah, you don't want to prove people wrong, but it's just a reality. It's human nature. It's just like, no, it's, it's like the Romans, you know, and, and uh, you know, gladiator. It's, it's just human nature of how we are. But I think it's good, but then it could also be a dangerous spot because then you're always, you're always trying to do it for the wrong source. You know, you're doing it for sources and not the source. There you go. 100%. Yeah, when you're doing it for people and not for God fully, you, can, you get too caught up, right? There's always that good balance. It's like, yeah, we want to we wanna do our thing and prove people wrong, but that can't be the folk. That can't be the centerpiece. You know what I mean? You're going to be very tired. You just got to be resting uh, contentment with however that outcome is. But uh, yeah. what, what are some of your, like, because you, know, you have so many awesome videos on your IG and, and, and YouTube, funny moments, like, I mean, do you, do you still get a kick out of just when you're doing certain things and, you know, you're crossing certain guys and, like, any, any funny memories or, like, top moments that you remember? Oh, uh, my goodness. So <laughs> uh, Should we just go to your YouTube? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's <clears> – <throat> what comes to mind right off top was – Did you ever break somebody's ankle? Oh, literally, you mean? Yeah, from a crossover. Well, you know, crossovers are called ankle breakers, so I didn't know what you meant, but yeah, no, uh, maybe at some point along the way, but I, I don't actually remember that. Um, but I do remember a lot of ankle breakers, you know, where, where I crossed somebody over and they fell, and that was a high moment. I remember, um, okay, so doing Spider Man basketball was hilarious. So I, my, the, the, the videos, the series that actually blew up my YouTube channel is called Spider-Man Basketball. So uh-huh. episode one got like 7 million views in a week. But this was in 2013 when that was more rare. You know, like a lot of my videos will do that now, but like that was rare. So it took my channel from 15K subs all the way to 600K subs in like one week. So it was like wow. full time. But there was a lot of funny moments with that because, I mean, literally, I'm putting on a spandex suit. You know what I'm saying? I can barely breathe. I can't really see, barely through the ball. And then, like, I would just crash the court prank style. You know what I mean? I'd never take it off, play a bunch, get going, and then I'd roll out. But I remember uh, one memory comes to mind recently – or not recently. It was, like, two years ago where I, <laughs> we were filming episode nine. I did, like, 11 episodes this thing. But um, we were doing an episode nine and I went to a park and it was kind of in a rougher area and people were kind of like not wanting to get down because like they didn't think it was like maybe it would interrupt their cool or whatever. <laughs> so I just hit the court up and I was like, what's well, good? I was like, you know, like, I see you guys are looking real hostile over here. What's going on? Like you don't want to play or nothing? So <laughs> finally we get a game going. It was like the first play of the game. Cross this dude over and this dude like smacked hard on his back. <laughs> and everybody went crazy. I laid it up. And it went so crazy. It was like kind of like the game was over. So I was like, nah, it's a wrap, my boy. Like, it's over. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's still got one more point. So I said, like, all right, fine. He checked the ball back to me. 
I did a move. I bounced it off his forehead. <laughs> I hit a shot. And, no, when, and it's so funny, though, because my cousin, he was laughing so hard when he was filming it. You can hear his laugh, and it's, like, super contagious. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's one thing that stands out. But also the Santa Claus Day. I mean, that was, that was heck of funny, too. That was, that was more embarrassing. than Like, Spider-Man was embarrassing at first. I got used to that. The Santa, that was pretty, like, hard to do, right? Because we went to the hood. And then, like, I had two fat suits on. And then the beard, I had a whole bunch of glue on my face because the beard wouldn't stay down. You know what I'm saying? When I do a move, the beard wants to fly. You put glue on your face? <laughs> I did. I taped it. I put glue. I was like, just make it stay down. You know, we're going to get it done. And sometimes to get an amazing video, it takes a while, right? Like, sometimes, I swear, God's in the, you know, in the midst of our video because I'll play for 20 minutes and I'll have 50 amazing highlights, right? <laughs> but then other times... You got to sit there. So with Santa, we played for like six hours. I said, listen, I'm going to stay here until we don't pass out. We just need these highlights. So I, I, I literally played about maybe six hours exaggeration. The whole, the whole shoot was probably that long, but we probably played for two and a half or three, three and a half hours, something like that. That's mm -hmm. a long time for somebody in their 30s. So <laughs> that, you, was, that was a really fun look so, You look so young. Like, you do not age. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if it's jacuzzi or the water out there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, and just God looking out, it must be because, yeah, I don't know. I don't eat that healthy. You know what I mean? You just but, don't change. Now, here's what's, yeah, yeah, eating your amazing Doritos. What's, what's, what's interesting, though, is in today's world, content is, is huge, right? Yeah. And did you know that content, like recording all that from back in the day? Because, I mean, yeah, YouTube was out, but like more than ever, the way, think about it, the way social medias are set up is is based on content, right? You know, you look at like TikTok, it's up and down now. It's based on the phone, also the, the type of phone that comes out. So maybe walk us through, like, did you know content and, and that would like help your career, monetize it, you know, and then other people need to realize like knowing how to monetize content properly. So I started finding out about it in 2006. Um, YouTube started 2004 by 06. I would see people in the street and they'd be like, Hey, I've seen your work, man. It's dope. And I'm like, thanks. And they're like, yeah, like I checked it out on YouTube and I, I'm thinking they're talking about ESPN They're talking about YouTube. So I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. And then after, you know, at least 20, 30 people had told me about this YouTube, I was like, there's something to this. So I started looking into it and I noticed my fan compilations, people would rip highlights from the, the ESPN show and make their own fan compilation on YouTube. And so I was like, that's interesting. They all had millions of views. And then I realized that I was actually getting bookings. I even got movie roles based off these fan compilations on YouTube. So I was like, there's something to us. So I tried to get a friend uh, to make a video for me and uh, put it on his channel. Boom, got 3 million views in like a week. And I was like, something to this. And so uh, I was just doing that to get more bookings and create more buzz. It wasn't even about monetization at that point because I didn't even know about Google AdSense. So then Google AdSense comes into play like a year later. And I'm like, oh, like now people make money off this. But I didn't know if it was big money. I just I knew there was some. Because it was all speculation. YouTube didn't make no big announcements. You kind of just had to figure it out if you had a channel. They were testing it. So by 2009, uh, now I know people who are making a living off YouTube. And it's a great thing. So I'm like, we got to start this channel ASAP. You know what I mean? And it's so funny because I remember thinking that I was late to the party in 2009. Now people are like, wow, you, you're an OG. Like you had a channel back in the day. 
I remember thinking I was late because I knew three people making more than 10 grand a month on it. So then I start up a channel and uh, funny people don't even know that this kid in San Diego actually showed me how to edit and then he edited my first three videos on Professor Live. I remember drove three and a half hours to his house several times a week. Now mind you, I was broke at this time. So I was trying to do anything I could. He's the only outlet I knew to build YouTube. Two or three times a week, I drove to this dude's house from LA to Chula Vista, which is by the border of Mexico. And I sat in and I just watched this dude edit. And he taught me how to edit. And he made the first three videos, which were fire. And then, um, next thing I know, those things all went crazy. And, you know, my channel was in stride. But I didn't actually really learn, like, really get YouTube strategic and learn uh, how to monetize content properly. And everything goes along with that until 2013 when I had one viral video. Hmm. Yeah, it was Spider Man Basketball Episode One, as I mentioned. So, yeah. So yeah, I've been in it for a while, but didn't actually really, really key in and learn it until maybe six years ago, probably. Why do you Why do you have so much passion with what you do? Like, what What motivates you? What inspires you to to keep going and do what you do? Um, now it's about inspiring and impacting other people. Um, for For a large portion of my career, though, it was about strictly just like, well, it's always been about the passion of basketball. That's for sure, right? The, the passion of the game has never gone away. So that's I think that's a God-given passion, right? I think God, a lot of people don't think God is in on the little things, right? But I think if we really like to do something, it's not like a sinful thing or whatever, like we really love it, like it's probably God-given, you know? Maybe a purpose or a job can come within that. So I think it's that. And then I think it's also just seeing the effect you can have on people through social media or through, or through a live event is so fun. And, and I think it even lets me know, like, you know, this is still a good thing, you know? Like, like this is needed for people because people can draw inspiration from it. Even outside of basketball, I have people hit me up like, man, your videos inspire me to get back into doing art, you know? And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. I wouldn't even think about that. Or that's awesome. You know, people will see like a faith-based video and they'll be like, oh, this inspired my faith, man. Cause you're doing that. And, and uh, you know, and also following Christ from that position. So yeah, th- I think that's, that's what's rooted in. And I think it's because you get to connect with people, right? Yeah. You know, everything's about connection, either through online or in person or on the court. I mean, you build connection and bonds on the court, right? Yeah. Playing and, and then that leads to questions of other things and friendships and relationships and memories, right? Totally. And, 100%. Yeah. And especially when you're just real and authentic and, and you're using your talent as a doorway for other things as well, which is great. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just, and honestly, I didn't, you know, that wasn't for my genius. It just seemed like God made one thing lead to another and then it just started to make sense. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. And like, think about it. Some people never discover their talent because they, they kind of, they keep it hidden or they, they, they cover it or other people cover it. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe walk us through people who listen to this. Cause I, I believe in this so much. Like if God plants something in you, not let other people dissolve it. 100%, man, 100%. And I think, uh, yeah, I would just tell them that, number one, you shouldn't let any naysayer or – it sounds so generic because we see it on social media so much now, right? It's like, don't let the leaders bog you down, you know? But I think, there's, I think there's something to just knowing human nature, which is when something flourishes, there's always going to be hate involved. There's always going to be naysayers. Or people trying to, like you said, dissolve your passion or 
say it's not for you or you're not good enough or whatever. It's like that. I think you got to know going in that is human nature. And that's because of other people's insecurities or they don't want to see you flourish because they wanted to flourish in that space. Very true. Or somebody's just angry about themselves. So they just want to be angry about something or they want to be negative all day because they don't have a positive experience or whatever. So I think, I think I had to learn that the hard way. Right. You know, like, like when I first started getting uh, negative stuff said about me in the public, when I was on ESPN, it kind of like hurt, you know? Um, but you learn. So I would, I would warn people, let people know going in just human nature is going to be naysayers. And then secondly, like, yeah, like that passion, that might be God given your purpose might be rooted in whatever you're striving towards. You know, I would say, start that blog, start that, start that brand, start that business, try to become a, whatever, you know what I mean? Whether it's a spelling bee master or getting a doctorate, definitely should go for it, man, because, um, you know, you, you could be flourishing in that position that you aspire to be in. Like, you could be in that position. You just got to see it through. Yeah. And I, I like what you just said, started. You know, like, it's that simple, started. And, and think about yeah, it. It started. Yeah. It's all in seasons, right? Like, you're not going to get nowhere fast. Like, you know, like, our measuring stick is always the cream of the crop, right? Like, even – Myself, professor's the measuring stick for successful YouTuber. It's like, well, my thing was like one in one in a, a billion, like like going viral and then going from 15k subs, which is already hard to get 15k. I had a following for man one, you know what I mean? Yep. And then going straight to 650,000 subs in one week. That ain't this thing gonna happen. That's like one in how to however many million. But take a look at somebody else on a, on a smaller scale. Like there's people who are living their passion. They have 300,000 subs on YouTube, 20 K on IG, and they're making a living actually doing great. I know a guy who's a multimillionaire. He only has 150 K subs on YouTube and doesn't even really do Instagram. Yeah. So, um, I think that's also, you know, don't look at your idols on mainstream television and think that that's the only way to do things. I think that, that, can, that can cause a very unrealistic, unfair expectation of yourself. Yeah, and, and unhappy because you're not staying in your lane. You're not doing what, what makes you feel great. Right, and like, we don't even realize LeBron James is point zero 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 one of all people. So it's like, if that's your measuring stick, you, un, you know, looking in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think a while ago somebody um, said to me, it's like, people that try to be a cat when they're a dog, it's like, know what, like, you know, what you are and know what you're good at and double down on that and it'll produce tremendous crop, you know, and, and fruit after that, you know, so, and, that, and that's so important. Dude, 100%, man, 100%. Like, I even look at my cousin, you know, he, <clears throat> he came in, he moved with me to LA 2016, he didn't even have social media. And now, you know, he's got 50,000 on Instagram. He's got 12K subs on YouTube. He's only been doing that a year. And, like, really flourishing. And, like, I could see him in a few years making a full-time living off of it. But that overall will have taken him, you know, five, six, seven years to do that. So just the fact that he started and got going and saw it through each season, and again, next thing you know, he looked back and he came a long way. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he got inspired by you seeing you. You know, like, you don't realize sometimes – People may not see it, see it, but from afar, like I know, you know, Professor, you've inspired a lot of people, right? 
and to maybe maybe not go down the route in basketball, but go do other things. Mm-hmm. And and that fear, because I think with you, like I don't see you have a fear. Like I think we all have our own fears to an extent, but I see you just as a starter, as like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not let anything stop me, my size or my mind. I'm gonna I have the ability and the talent to go out there and go make it happen. And I think that's ingrained in you. And why do you think that's ingrained in you besides your faith? But like, is it from your parents, you know, like your parents play a big role? Man, good question. Growing up in Oregon. (laughs) Parents had a lot to do with it. But I think also it's just like, yeah, maybe I learned from my dad, my, my, my parents work ethic. You know what I mean? Cause I know that, even if I look at my YouTube trek, right? When it first started, I saw that there was something to it, right? I was like, this many people on the street have seen YouTube and they're like seeing me firsthand. How many people saw it that didn't even talk to me, right? And then for some reason, I just put like everything into it. But I think it was also that will to, I guess, just like uh, succeed and stay above water, right? Because like and one folded and went completely broke. It's like, what else do I have to fall back on? I, I, I didn't want to be content with myself, not knowing I at least didn't go as hard as I could with YouTube, which I saw. I was like, this is a free distribution. Everybody basically has their free TV channel. Crazy, to do right? They want with. And obviously, the cream of the crop will rise at the top. But like, everybody has their own free TV channel. It was so hard to make in basketball or anything prior because you had to get signed, you had to get distribution, and you had to stand so far above the masses that the big wig was come down and be like, we want you. That's yeah. so much harder. So I was like, we got to give everything we got at least. And I, and I knew that that was like throwing out a bunch of content and still staying good with my craft and getting great footage. So where did it all come from? I think it was that God given passion for, for basketball. And then also I think, yeah, I think my parents work ethic installing work ethic, work ethic in me. Yeah. Yeah. And you started at two years old, right? Start playing ball at two years old, yeah. That's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. And, well, this is great stuff. I, mean, I know whoever's listening to this, wherever you are, you're definitely giving amazing value at this. And, and thank you for your time because you've thank been you. busy. And I want to ask you two more things, and we'll wrap up. Sure. And um, for you, traveling around a country, and I know you said you were in Africa. I was there last year as well. That changed my life. But what did you notice? Like, sometimes we're in Western culture. And we're in this bubble, you know, and we, when you get outside in the world, some people don't get that blessing, um, you know, at, at an early age to see it. So what did you take away from traveling and things you saw? You touched on a little bit before, but I think there's a lot of lessons you can learn from going to different countries and cultures and what you experienced. Yeah, I mean, that's a great thing you just brought up, like that global perspective. I think you'll immediately realize how prosperous the United States is, right? Like us i'm sitting here in my large house with a big backyard and pool and jacuzzi like we talked about 65 inch tv you know you almost feel bad you know you you go to africa and you go to india you go to south america you almost feel bad you you have this much abundance of resource because i learned that more than 50 percent of the world i think actually more than that Yes. Maybe more than, more than 75, 80% of the world actually lives in poverty. It's a third world uh, standards. Yep. So what does that mean? It means most people in the world live in a hut. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't even have a closet full of clothes, right? They have like two outfits that get them by or something, you know? 
and running water is a huge blessing, right? I get pissed off my fridge thing. The, fr the fridge water dispenser don't work. Yours doesn't work either? Oh my God. No, but, but, but real perspective. So I think, I think what's to be learned by that is resting in gratitude for mm. wherever you're at. Like That's the really hood good. in the United States ain't even, that ain't even bad. The hood is actually a very blessed place. That's crazy to say, right? And I don't think that means we should all feel bad about our resource, but I think that it should definitely strike something in us to want to help others and to rest in amazing gratitude for what we do have and the position that you are in in life. Because like there's people in the Philippines, they'll never have enough money to leave the Philippines and they'll never have enough money or resource to be known by anybody, but their inner circle, not that everything's foolproof, but you know, Manny Pacquiao evidence of that. But I mean, you know, yeah, I think that, that perspective is huge to be gained. That, that's really good. Uh, resting gratitude. You, like, you, you hit it on the nail of just um, what that can do because everything you said is right on point. I mean, we were delivering toilets for the first time in certain areas in Africa last year. And it, you know, anybody, yeah. Yeah, it humbles you. And you're just like, and granted, you feel bad, but, but also at the end of the day, like capitalism is what? creates an economy right like creating yeah. things and, and jobs it's just jobs have changed where years ago we would you know money was sold by you would barter system right it's like oh let me give you that cow for you know for this for this thing that you do for me and then we created money and, and all that so yeah wow. wow what other what other country impacted you um, my 2018 was incredible. Like my 2018, it's funny because people always think like I, in my mind, I glorify the N1 days and those were the good old days and now it's not the same, which I'm always like blown away by that because like <laughs> I like the second half of my career better than the first half of my career, which was hey, an all-star game and, you know, with getting interviewed and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is way better now. So 2018, uh, in span of, I think, three weeks or like one month, I was in Uganda, Africa, and I had always wanted to play on a dirt court in Africa with locals from wherever that's at. I always wanted to do that. I remember seeing the movie The Air Up There back in the day, and I know that was like fictional, but I did know that there were places in Africa where like the resource really isn't there and people are still playing basketball on like dirt courts. And so I actually got to play in Uganda with this college team on this, like, it, it had cement. It had, like, blocks of cement, but it was, like, basically a dirt court. Mm -hmm. And it was so dope. They were actually embarrassed by it. They're like, oh, we're, we're getting uh, renovations on their court, and they were trying to tell me it's, we're, we're getting ready to move. And I was like, bro, I don't even want your court that you're about to move into. This is fire right here. Like, okay, so anyway, Uganda, Africa. Uh, one week later, I went to Lincoln, Nebraska. I was in a prison. So it was here in the United States. That was eye-opening. And then a week later, I'm in Mumbai, India. Wow. So India and Africa, incredible perspective. But then also right here at our home base, like seeing somebody in prison who's not going to get out for 30 years. Wow, that's real perspective. So those three uh, event stops impacted me majorly. Yeah, and within a three-week period, four-week period of time. Crazy. Yeah. Very crazy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that 
you may not be able to experience that right now because of financial or just, you know, your, your, um, opportunities that are in your life right now, but hearing that is so important and, and, and keeping that humble stability of just what we have and, uh, whether it's your water, not working for your fridge, realize there's people that don't even have clean water. Like we, I know you can't drink the water in certain areas where we work. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is, is incredible what you're doing. You know what I mean? Going to help those people in need. Imagine if the world had a heart like that. It should be in a different place. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And it's, that's why making money is not bad. Like if you want to be wealthy in, in the right way, give value and then you can give value to other people. And Absolutely. And that reminds me how we connected, right? The, at the, uh, you know, hundred million event. And I thought that was cool because I think even the leaders of that, do a great job of that, you know, right? They're very wealthy, but they're, you know, involved in charitable things, faith-based things and using it for good causes. So I agree. I think striving to get wealth isn't bad, but it's all about what you're going to do with it. Yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. So good, good. And um, there's one more question I'm going to ask you that I finish every question, uh, every podcast with uh, real quick before we ask that, where can people find you? What things you have out, you know, where can people, uh, you know, get, get some of your stuff and everything? Yeah. So check me out. Uh, YouTube is my main, main portal. Uh, it's YouTube Professor Live. You check me out on Instagram, The Professor. <laughs> uh, and then my clothing brand is globalhooper.com. Um, check out all things false on IG2 at Global Hooper. Um, but for me, you know, coming up in the coming years, I'm really just focusing on content. Uh, we're almost at 5 million subs on YouTube. So my goal is just to turn up putting everything into just making that content a really fun, inspiring, impactful, uh, experience for people when they check it out. Yeah. We're totally going to do stuff together. I got some ideas already in my head. It's not, and if I go to the hot tub, I'll, it'll even spark even more, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the idea machine. So, so I'll finish it off, um, with this. And again, you know, everybody appreciates your time and being on the show. Um, so here's the question. Ready? So if you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? One word, one sentence. If you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? Well, there's almost only so much room on the billboard. You know, billboards, it's it's a glance, right? One sentence, one word. I'd just say follow Christ. That's it. Why? Because uh, I think that life goes by fast. We're only going to be here for a second. And then you're going to be faced, you know, you stand before God and, you know, really everything that you did out here is going to be based on, like, what, what was your relationship like with Christ and what did you do for him? And I don't think there's anything more important. I mean, if I sat up there and I said, work hard, uh, there's no gain. What, why? What, yeah, why? Yeah, because it's really about, uh, it's not about this life, you know. This life's short. So it's about more about eternity. So I think when you think eternity, it's all about God. It's about Christ, you know, and, and because Christ is the way to God, you know, I, I believe it's Christian and Christ is the only way to yeah. God the Father and eternity in heaven. So, yeah. And I agree with that perspective without a doubt. It changes yeah. your life. It changes why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love it. Thank you so much, Grayson. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, check them out. We'll attach all the information below. Enjoy your day and make sure you go out and inspire and uh, and follow your path to your dreams. Love you guys. It's the Rock Life Show signing out.